0: Coach Bronson has been guiding and training people in health and fitness for over 10 years. He started CrossFit around his 40th birthday and quickly fell in love with the variety, community, coaching, and results. It didn't take long for him to realize that learning more about fitness and becoming a coach was the path his life was taking. Coach Bronson opened a CrossFit gym in 2014. As a gym owner, helping people with their overall health and fitness, he developed successful programs to improve his clients' quality of life and physical freedom consistently and sustainably. In 2018, he discovered how an animal-based nutrition lifestyle optimized his metabolic health and performance. Since then, he has designed specific methods to use both nutrition and fitness to radically improve the lives of people all over the world. Coach Bronson is the author of The Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness Book, A Complete Guide to Optimizing Keto for a Better Quality of Life. He offers a coaching program, one- one consultations and runs a successful 10-week health and fitness challenge for people from all walks of life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. Today is going to be an especially fun conversation for me because as you know, this podcast is all things health and wellness but keto is near and dear to my heart and I don't always get to talk about it all the time so today with coach Bronson I am going to talk about all things keto and a little bit about his health background how he got started with all this so welcome coach Bronson and uh, can you just tell people in your own words a little bit about your background I will have read your bio obviously but I'll hear it straight from the horse's mouth
1: yeah I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on here this is really fun and I'm looking forward to the discussion. Um, my background, it really, my story of transformation really starts when I was in my late 30s, getting, realizing that I was out of shape, I was unhappy, I was unwell, I was depressed, I wasn't going anywhere in life, and, and just trying to, you know, realizing, like, how do I change that, what do I need to do to fix it? So I found fitness, I found CrossFit, that kind of started me on the journey. After several years of that, found some nutrition things that kind of woke my eyes, opened up my eyes and woke me up about the truth about fitness versus all the things we've been told. Um, things started falling into place. Things started making sense in the big picture of what uh, quality of life is about versus just trying to be fit or just trying to be follow a diet. And uh, kind of brought me to this point now where I'm very much an advocate of fitness and nutrition Are need to be together. You can't do one or the other. And unfortunately, a lot of people think they can do everything with nutrition, or they can do everything with fitness, and forget that there's our bodies are a complex thing, and we need a lot of different aspects to 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 be healthy and and live a free, physically capable uh, lifestyle. So, um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I'm sure we'll get into a bunch of that stuff, but uh, yeah. keto is a part of that. I've been carnivore for four years, over four years. Uh, like I said, I didn't get started until my late 30s, so. This is a progression of 10, 12 years of learning and experience. So I'm 50 years old now. Uh, I feel better and am in the best shape of my life. Literally, that's not, that's not uh, cliche. That's not just hyperbole. That is literally the fact. So uh, things are better as I get older and um, I want to keep things going that way.
0: Yeah. And that's such a great uh, point that you make. And I, I love it that because people, it, and I, I mean, I'm just looking at you and I'm thinking you don't look 50 and people tell me the same. And I think it really is a testament to uh, you know, being physically active and getting your diet under control, um, because I'm, I like to think that 50 is the new 30. That's what I keep telling myself. Yep. Anyway, um, so before you started, yeah, CrossFit, right? Uh, <laughs> right? before you started CrossFit, uh, what was your sort of background with fitness and nutrition before then? I mean, you're in the best shape of your life now. So what was that history like for you? Uh, did you play sports? what kind of things did you eat Were you just never focused on it or give some more color to the background there?
1: Yeah. Kind of the, the normal, I think things, a lot of people go through in high school. I was an athlete. Um, I did weight training. I played soccer, did a bunch of things. I joined the army right out of high school. So my, in my youth, I was fit and in shape when I got out of active duty, when I got the regular job, had a family, got settled down, everything just went the opposite direction. So, you know, I'm, 37, 38 years old. I'm 70, 80 pounds overweight, uh, out of shape. I went to the gym, but it was more out of obligation of I need to go, I need to have a gym membership. I need to go to the gym than it was actually trying to train for something specific. It was more of a social time, more of a check the box off. I did it without any real goals. Um, So it wasn't until I really decided to make some changes and see the difference in my everyday life that everything started to change. And that's really where, CrossFit came in. I learned what fitness was actually about um, mm-hmm. and started really falling in love with that, became a coach, started learning and getting as much education and experience and mentoring and everything as I could uh, and kind of launched everything from there. So I had some experience, but not a lot of training. Uh, I didn't get training until after I realized the impact it had on my life, and that's where I kind of went down the rabbit hole, and that's where I ended up to where I am today.
0: And just for, before we go into more of the nutrition stuff, I think it might be interesting for people. I, I know I certainly have a certain perception of CrossFit and, and kind of how it is and what it is, but I also know that it has a really strong community behind it. And I think having yes. been a, a long time yoga instructor, I think the importance of community is, is, is so underrated. So maybe you could speak to a little bit, telling people about. Uh, what, how that might be different from their perceptions and what they can sure. gain from it than just strength, like about a little bit about the community and stuff.
1: Yeah. So if, if anybody's read my book or follow me on Instagram, or if you follow me on Instagram after this or social, you know, in Facebook or YouTube or whatever, we'll talk about all that later, but you'll notice that everything that I talk about is, um, rooted in the idea that fitness has nothing to do with what we do in the gym. Fitness is about setting ourselves up for success and the things that we cannot prepare for in everyday life. So exercise is where we provide a stress that's in a controlled situation that we can then go into an uncontrolled situation, i.e. life, everyday things that happen, and be successful and not get wore down. And that's really the core of that comes from the methodologies of CrossFit. CrossFit is about training our bodies in a variety of ways so that we can survive. It's a survivability methodology. Um, What people think CrossFit is, is what they see on ESPN. They look at the CrossFit Games. (laughs) They see all of this stuff and this hype about the fittest in the world and these men and women who are doing phenomenal things. What people need to understand is those are professional athletes. Just like you look at the NFL and you look at the NFL compared to the pickup game you have on Thanksgiving morning, very different, right? In your backyard, you got some kids playing or whatever else. It's a very different experience than the NFL. And it's the same with CrossFit. There's two sides of CrossFit. And unfortunately um, the most popular visible out there in front of people is the sport side of CrossFit. That is not CrossFit. Tell you right now that is not CrossFit. CrossFit is for me, yeah, I'm 50 years old. I love it. CrossFit is for my mother who's 69 years old and has been doing it for nine years. CrossFit is for the general person who wants to improve their ability to do things throughout the day, reduce their, inju- reduce their risk of injury, have more energy, feel better, move better, and live better in general. So when you go to a CrossFit gym, I love what you said about community. CrossFit gyms are not about working as hard as you can. CrossFit gyms are about finding a level of challenge to physical activity that will help you get better. So that level of challenge is going to be different for me who's been doing it for 12 years than it is for you who's maybe never done it or someone else who's maybe never even walked into a gym before. The thing that's different about CrossFit than a lot of other programs is you have coaches and you have a community. So you have coaches that are there specifically to identify what is going to work for you and what level of intensity is best that you apply for yourself, your specific goals, your scenario, your background, your experience, all that kind of stuff. That's the coach's job. They're there to make it work for you and for every single person in that class. And then you have a community there who's there to support you, let you know that they're they're going through the same things you're going. You have people that you can lean on who are going to support you and motivate you and, Holds you accountable if you don't show up to class for a couple days, you might get a text message (laughs) from a friend saying, "Hey, are you showing up? What's going on? How are you doing?" You know, and so there's a lot of stuff when you go to a crossfit gym that happens. Not even inside the gym, people get together, you build friendships, you go hang out, you do things together outside the gym, and it really just expands your vision and your view on what you're you're able to do, and kind of gives you a network of people, a tribe that uh, expands your horizon of physical ability, potential for uh, what you can achieve and what it feels like to get outside your comfort zone. Because as scary as getting outside your comfort zone may be, it's easier when you're doing it with other people. So that's really one of the benefits as well.
0: If you've been around my content for a while, you know that one of my favorite things is making and eating gourmet food and pairing it with wine. all of the wines from the Loire Valley in France. Dry Farm wines are free from excess sulfites and mold that can cause adverse reactions and hangovers. With no added sugar, each wine is tested to be under one gram of sugar in the entire bottle. Yep, you just heard that right. There's less than one carb in the whole bottle of wine. They're also slightly lower alcohol, which means you can enjoy a delicious wine pairing at dinner any given night and not end up with a hangover. You can receive an extra bottle for just a penny with your first order by visiting Dry dryfarmwines.com slash healnourishgrow. I'd love to hear what your favorite wine is after you try it and be sure to tag me on social with pictures of your wine and delicious dinners. Again, that bottle of wine for a penny is at dryfarmwines.com slash healnourishgrow. Yeah, I like that and, I, and you know when I work with people or when things that I talk about in my content and stuff I I like to talk about joyful movement. And so mm-hmm. I think for people who aren't very athletic or that haven't moved a lot or whatever something like CrossFit can be like very intimidating. It is. But I yeah. think when you just when you just change it to be it's just movement it's just a different way of movement that you're not familiar with i think it then yep. kind of becomes less scary and the same thing about yoga a lot of people are like oh i can't do yoga because i can't put my leg behind my head so i'm like well but that's exactly why you need to do it <laughs> Cause it's exactly
1: just, exactly it,
0: it challenges you it gets you out of your comfort zone it it helps your body move better it helps you be better in daily life and, and i love the way that you put the fine point on that is really we're all training for the you, you probably are familiar with peter peter atia i'm sure mm-hmm. he does a popular podcast called the drive and he's a longevity expert but he yeah. always likes to say he's like uh training for the centen- centenarian olympics or however he says yeah. it. Yeah. it's just kind of a funny thing uh so how then um one of the things that i think is interesting and i'd love to get your perspective on this is that i think when people are first and let's Talk about, you know, a lot of people come to this kind of eating and mm-hmm. come to CrossFit and those sort of things because they want to lose weight or they want to get yep. back into shape. But for a lot of people, it's because they want to lose weight. And that is what keto is very well known for. So we're very familiar with that. My thing with people is, and I've experienced a lot of joint issues and different things in my life, not being overweight. And what I know is people that are very overweight, they start to, they, everybody thinks, Oh, I got to work out immediately. I got to work out because that's, what's going to make the difference. That's how I'm going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they're carrying around 50, 80, hundred extra pounds. And it's putting all this stress on their joints. So I kind of approach it from the perspective of two things. Number one is, you know, getting your, Eating going a little better, starting to get a little weight off so that things are easier on your joints, and mm-hmm. number two, not adding on too many things at once because often when people decide they're finally ready to lose weight, it's like they got to they start working out five days a week and then they're trying to change their whole diet and they're they're just doing too much in my yeah. opinion. So yeah. that's sort of my perspective. I'd love to hear uh, what your thoughts are around all that and how you approach it when you're working with people. How do you advise them on, you know, getting started, maintaining, getting into whether it's CrossFit or doing something more simple, like just starting to go for a walk? Because a lot of people, they're just not doing any movement at all. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, everyone's different. So the, the, the general answer is going to be you need to do something for nutrition and something for fitness. That level of what you're doing is going to be different for everybody. Um, identifying what you can do without adding additional stress. So the idea of getting healthy is I look at it in two ways. Nutrition helps reduce internal stress. So it's biological, it's physiological, it's it's biological stress, essentially. Things that happen inside our body, chemical interactions, all those types of things, hormones, all that kind of stuff. Fitness helps us manage external stress. It's physiological and neurological. There's some mental things that happen on, on the physical side as well. So you want both of them. The idea is to uh, introduce a change that's going to overall reduce your your overall stress level in your body. Um, If you're doing something where you're adding too many things at once, you're doing the opposite. Now you're adding stress. You're adding things to your routine you have to manage. You're adding things you have to think about. You're adding activities that may be too much for what your body is ready to handle right now. So there's a lot of things like that. So finding a... A level of change that uh, I like to, just lack of a better term, you want to find the low-hanging fruit. What is what is simple, what is right there in front of me that I can make a change that's going to move me forward? I call it the 10% rule, sorry, the 1% rule, and it doesn't have to be a lot. So the, in, in exercise science, we have what we call progressive overload. It's, a, it's the idea, the concept that doing more enables you to do more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's really all it is. So the thing with that with that concept, though, is there's no criteria on how much more. So 1% more is going to help you do more than you're currently doing. That, by definition, is progress. It doesn't have to be a lot. So you don't need to jump into, and this is what I see all the time. Okay, I have, I've been doing standard American diet. I'm going to go keto. I'm <laughs> going to start doing OMAD. I'm going to start doing CrossFit five days a week. I'm going to start. Um, Red light therapy, I'm going to start, like, all. it's like, whoa, slow down, relax, it's okay, (laughs) right? Because it's about habits and sustainability. The more you change up front, the less sustainable you're going to be. So small steps, baby steps, find something that you can, that you're ready, willing, and able to do that's going to be a minor change that you can sustain and maintain, that's realistic and going to move you forward, and that's all you need to do for a while. Until that becomes routine, until you don't have to mm-hmm. think about it anymore, then you can add something else to the mix. But start small. It's really, like you said, start small. Just remember, there should be something little on the nutrition side, something little on the fitness side, because you need both of them at the same time. One of the biggest things I hear for people is starting keto or any kind of nutrition plan is they lose all this weight. And then three years into their nutrition, they're like, crap, I should have done something for fitness way back then. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to wait some too long.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. And and I think that that's the key. Is it it is because I do think people attack it that way quite often. They just want to do all the things at once, like you described. And that's certainly my experience with you know working with people. The more you
1: do, the faster it works. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: And it's it's our American (laughs) mentality, right? We're we're gotta have it now gotta have it fast gotta have it the biggest yep. the best all of that but really it's like okay if you haven't been working out at all just committing to do a five or ten minute walk even every other day doesn't even have to be every other day that's gonna yep. be pretty huge and then you're just yeah. building on those foundational habits
1: 100%. Um, so
0: since we talked about keto let's mm-hmm. go into um kind of how so I'm assuming that maybe through CrossFit or once you started working in that fitness thing that you may have cro- come across a lot of different dietary ideas. What made you yeah. land on keto? And then as for you know, as many of us progress, I mean, going into Carnivore after that, kind of how was that sure. progression for you? And, and what was your thought process in doing
1: that? Yeah, so uh, I actually started Carnivore. and it was my first jump into the ketogenic lifestyle. And uh, when I say that, and I want people to understand that Carnivore is a ketogenic lifestyle. A lot of people don't think of it that way, but it is. It's in that sub that subcategory, that category mm-hmm. of 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 nutrition. Um, so I got into keto through my understanding of what carnivore was, and then looking at the concepts behind ketogenic living and saying, okay, this is a thing. How you adjust your macros and all that other kind of stuff is really irrelevant. It's about this base concept of making your body burn fat. Mm-hmm. That's keto. So. All of the discussions that we get, and we maybe talk about all the different variations of keto, dirty keto, lazy keto, right, hypercarnivore, right. <laughs> carnivore, ketovore, all this other kind of stuff, and how they're all pretty much pointless discussions um, because it's about making your body as optimal as possible. Uh, so I, I was a gym owner. I owned a CrossFit gym for about five years. Uh, this is in 2018. Uh, I was uh, sitting on my couch and heard about this podcast that Dr. Baker was on, on Joe Rogan, <laughs> listened to it and decided, okay, I'm going to do some research. There wasn't much out at the time. There mm-hmm. Really wasn't nearly the amount of resources that there are in just a short four year. Four years has been crazy in terms of the information that's available on ketogenic and carnivore living. Um, so, But at the time, there wasn't much. So did what I research I could find in, the, in a few days. And then May 1st, 2018, I just went cold turkey into carnivore and been doing it ever since. So it's been one of the best things ever. What My driving factor, my driving uh, goals, the things that were kind of making me want to do this was, one, I had uh, a lot of gut issues, a lot of IBS, urgent bowels. My life was pretty much controlled by how close I could be to a bathroom at any given time. Mm. Traveling, even going to work, like everything that I did pretty much every single day, the consideration for how long was I going to be away from a bathroom Mm -hmm. when I got where I was going? Was there one nearby? Should I go before I leave? Should I go when I get there, when I'm there, where am I, you know, identify where they're all at before I start actually (laughs) enjoying my, like all of that stuff. And it was really, it wasn't until I didn't have that anymore that I Mm -hmm. realized how much effort I was putting into that part of my life. Um, And then the other part of it was being in CrossFit. I was still I was still out of shape. You know, when I first started CrossFit, I went, I saw an improvement. I was 70 pounds overweight. I lost a bunch of weight. I got in shape. Um, but I didn't get in the best shape that I could be. I was in better shape. I was stronger, I was faster, I was more metabolically healthy, uh, but I still, again, still had the gut issues, still had the bowel issues. And at the time where I found this, I was at a uh, I had started gaining that weight back again. I so, saw, you know, I looked at myself. Uh, we had a party at a member of my gym's house at a pool party, and I saw pictures of myself at the pool party. I'm like, "Oh my god! Like, how embarrassing am I feeling? How embarrassed do I feel looking at these pictures as a CrossFit gym owner mm-hmm. at a party with all of my clients, and they look better than me? Like this. It's just like this is not. I, I something is not right here. I need to. Do, I need to find something else. And it was right around this time that I found carnivore." And within months, like uh, the cycle of having to get fat to get strong and having to get weak to get lean really was part of what annoyed the crap. And I got tired of, okay. I want to get cut. I want to look like I'm in shape, but now I got to drop all my weights, everything, all my performance goes down. I didn't
0: like that. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. We'd also love it if you could post a review on iTunes. It helps us so much by allowing others to more easily find us. The Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast wouldn't be possible without listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show.
1: Going carnivore enabled me to improve my my performance metrics without getting fat. I was able to also improve my body composition at the same time, which I had not been able to do to that point. So being able to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time, being able to get stronger and drop weight at the same time, because I'd always been told weight moves weight. If you want to move things heavier, you got to be heavier too. And that's kind of just what I thought had to be. And I've found since then that that's not necessarily the case. So uh, those are some of the factors that kind of got me into uh, the ketogenic lifestyle.
0: Let's let's talk a little bit more about that, because I think this is – well, this is definitely a topic I talked about in my book, and I think it's, it's coming to light a lot more from all the experts mm-hmm. you're talking about, like Sean Baker and uh, some of these other higher-protein advocates in our space. And I would say, you know, first of all, the older we get – and we're both in that category, unfortunately, we're <laughs> older, older, right yeah. – um, but your body becomes less effective at utilizing the protein that it does get. So we actually, as quote-unquote older adults, need even more protein than somebody younger. I mean, if you're young, you're in a anabolic state of your life. It's easy to build. It's mm-hmm. easy to get more muscle. But the older we get, once you get... Be- beyond about 30 um your ability to break down that protein and utilize the amino acids gets less uh we tend to start you know focusing a little bit more on our weight and especially as women the things that they'll ditch first is they'll like ditch the steak they'll quit eating the ribeye and just like eat a salad now i mean i'm not a hundred percent carnivore because i do still enjoy some vegetable and i think to your point what you said before it's like do we really need to belabor these things? It's like, I think the most important thing is get the proper amount of protein Mm -hmm. and whatever else you eat around that. I don't know if I care that much. If you, if you really prioritize the protein, you're going to, be so much better off. Um, so can right. you speak to, when you're talking to your clients, you're working with people, what are you telling them about protein? What are you telling them about strength training in relation to their protein mm-hmm. intake?
1: Yeah. So the, the the idea, and this is a theory, I don't know if there's any studies out there. This is just how I see it in my last 12 years, 10 years of coaching and, and being mm-hmm. in the fitness industry. Uh, the idea that we stop that we stop being as anabolic as we get older I think we have to look at that in a vacuum of activity, okay? Mm -hmm. So as a younger person, our bodies are still growing and developing. We're by definition anabolic. If I'm not doing physical activity, then there's going to be a period of time when your body stops growing and we go the other direction, okay? That is applicable in the sense of how our bodies go through phases and seasons of life. Great. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that we stop Growing muscle, okay, because that's in a vacuum of no activity. We can stimulate muscle growth by being active. Period. Which so you, you obviously
0: I, did it. You're a case in point, right? right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if I have a twenty-year-old who's sitting on his butt, not doing anything, if he eats enough protein, there's a chance he's going to still gain some lean mass over time. Okay, mm-hmm. at fifty years old, I can probably this is a this is a total hy- hy- hypothesis. I could probably gain more muscle than that guy. At twenty, at fifty, if I'm exercising and getting protein, because I'm stimulating, I'm telling my body it needs more. If he's not mm-hmm. telling his body he needs more, I'm going to outgrow him every time. So the age, I think, is a factor, but it is such a small uh, variable in the overall equation of what we're doing, and I think people miss that. We we automatically, oh well, we start we we don't we don't gain muscle as well as we're older, so it's harder for me. No, it's not harder for you. It is not yeah, harder for you.
0: Just Sorry. to put a finer, finer point on that, it's more that physiologically your body becomes less um, able to break down the protein and use it. First. So it's not that we can't, but it's just like you might need to bump up your protein like 20 more percent as you get older just to deal with that body inefficiency. It's not that we can't gain muscle because I, I definitely agree with you on yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and the other thing too is our body's systems get better the more we use them. So if we're exercising and we're telling our body, you need to maintain your ability to process amino acids, Mm -hmm. then our body will stay pretty pretty good at processing amino acids. It's when we're not, the lack of activity makes everything get worse, period. Mm -hmm. So that's really the key. And, And exercise, that's why I say exercise and nutrition go hand in hand, because you can eat great, but if you're not moving, then you're not improving any of the things that, you're supplying good nutrition for.
0: Yep. Makes perfect so it's, sense. You,
1: you need both. I, I like to use the car analogy. And um, if I, if I'm giving my car the wrong kind of gas and I bring it to the mechanic and he says, Hey, you're putting the wrong gas in here. Let's put the right gas in. My car is going to operate better. It's getting the right fuel. It's doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. But if I also don't maintain the spark plugs and the gears and the belts and the, sh- and the shocks and the brakes and the tires and all those other things, my car is still going to run right crap. So it's you need both of them in order to have a fully functioning system.
0: Yeah, great analogy. And I, I just want to mention this for everyone else out there, and I'll, I'll put this link in the show notes. You're probably already familiar with it, but it was a, a paper that just came out in August, I believe, by oh, I'm gonna, Alan. I can't think of his last name, but anyway, the paper okay. basically talks about um, the myth of not being anabolic as we age. So if you haven't seen it yet, I will definitely send the link to you. I'm sure you've seen this, but um, for I other people seen, out I there. I haven't seen
1: that yet. Yeah. I want to see that.
0: Okay. It's awesome. Um, I read it and I was just like, Oh my God, I got to contact this guy. I was basically <laughs> like, just like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. This is everything that I've been talking about lately. So I loved it. But anyway, I'll make sure I put it in the show notes for everyone else. Cool. Um, so we've talked about, I think I, I would like to maybe, I, cause I, this is a, thing that i'm very passionate about as well is having the nutrition work for you and how all these different variations you kind of touched on this before all these different mm-hmm. variations are you keto carnivore you know are you allowed quote unquote allowed to have a piece of lettuce i actually have a great thing on my website that kind of i broke it down into what i think of carnivore as so it's like hardcore carnivore softcore yeah. carnivore keto carnivore but in my mind, it's kind of all irrelevant. So I would love to hear your take on that, since you mentioned it.
1: Bingo, irrelevant. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we like to put labels on things because it helps us identify with them. So mm-hmm. then you can then say, "I am this," and it helps us create a picture of what we're trying to do. Um, but in the in the big picture, it's really irrelevant. There's, there's there's two really there's two main things that need that really matter when it comes to choosing. Fitness, nutrition, any ha- habits in your lifestyle, picking your lifestyle. What are your goals, and what will help you get to your goals? Period. It has that's it. So going back to the car analogy, the the definition that we like to apply to things is you know car- hyper carnivore is seventy percent meat. Uh, you need to be eighty uh, percent fat, twenty percent protein. You need to be seventy percent fat to be ketogenic. You need all of these different random ratios and percentages that don't mean squat because here's the deal. Go back to the car analogy. I love the car analogy because I have like a list of like 18 different things that kind of match this whole conversation. Um, (laughs) It's it's like going to the mechanic again and saying, hey, I need a tune-up. Could you give me 20% oil and 80% fuel when you give me my tune-up? He's going to look at you like, what are you talking about? The car doesn't (laughs) – like 20% or 80% number one of what – Okay. And then number two, how much of what is that? Does that mean I have extra oil that I need to put in a can somewhere outside the car because I gave it, because 20% is too much? Or is 20% not enough for this car? How much gas am I putting in? Is that too much or not enough for this car? When we do things off of percentages and ratios, number one, one of them will always be too much and one of them will never be enough. So that's why I don't like using ratios and percentages. Number two, when you do things off of ratios, you're doing things and combining uh, input to systems that have nothing to do with each other. So when, when we talk about uh, being a keto and it's 70% fat to, to protein, that has nothing to do with each other because your fat and your protein are used completely different in your body. So what does the ratio between fat and protein make a difference to your overall health? Why don't we just look at things by actual quantities? When you go to the mechanic and look at your car and say, How much gas do I need to fill my tank? How much oil do I need to put in my engine? We should be asking the same questions of our bodies. How much protein do I need? How much fuel do I need? They're not, there's no relationship between the two. And the idea of putting a label on it and classifying how your how your nutrition lifestyle works goes against nutrient density focus, bioavailability focus, and a satiety focus. If you focus on those three things, everyone's going to come up with a different number. Get as much nutrition as you possibly can, get as much of it in a form that your body can absorb, And get as much of it in a way that's going to keep you from overeating fuel calories as possible.
0: You know how I like to talk about being just 1% better every day? Well, ButcherBox believes in better. For them, better means caring about animals and the planet, treating the planet with respect. And it means improving the lives of animals and the livelihoods of farmers. Their beef is grass-fed and grass-finished. Chicken is free-range and organic. Turkey is free-range. Pork is humanely raised. And salmon and scallops are wild-caught. I've been using ButcherBox for a couple of years now, and it was a godsend having such high quality meat delivered to my door during the pandemic. If you're interested in saving money and eating healthier, this is the perfect service for you. Even if you can get back to the grocery store now, the quality and health of ButcherBox meat is far superior to what's in the market. Plus, if you're a bacon lover, I have really good news. You can always get a great deal on your subscription by using my link, but starting June 12th until October 14th, new members can get free bacon for life. That's right. Every box will include a pack of uncured, unbelievably delicious bacon added to every box for the life of your membership. Check my show notes for the link or go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash H-N-G ButcherBox. That's going
1: to be a different solution for every single person. And there's no name for that. It's just called healthy eating.
0: No, and, and that make, takes me back to the protein idea because you're right. What people need, it's like, I would like to think of that as, I don't know what you'd equate that to on the car, but basically, yeah. you know, you need a certain amount to maintain the muscles that you have and possibly grow some. And, yep. you know, there is a little bit of debate in what that exact number is for people, but I think we can all agree that most people eating the standard american diet are not getting enough protein to really maintain the muscle that they have much less grow any um all the experts that i've been listening to lately say somewhere between 0.8 0.8 to 1.5 per pound. Most people, most of the real hardcore ones, Ted Naaman, all these other people, less than one gram per pound of body weight would be too little. And, and it's yeah. hard sometimes to get that much, unless you're full on carnivore. Cause there's no room to eat anything else. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like to
1: start people at one gram per pound of lean mass as a starting point, and then usually get them to like 1.25, uh, gram per pound of lean mass. Uh, which equates to, depending on their weight, it, it usually comes out to around one gram per pound of body weight. Um, it's a yeah, great once your kind in. of
0: normal body weight, if we're whatever we want to call that. But
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, what's mine? Like
0: no, I'm just saying, like if you if you don't have a lot of weight to lose, you can probably right. use that one gram per pound. Whereas yeah. if you have a hundred grams or hundred grams, a hundred pounds to lose, you might go towards that sort of lean mass number. Instead. yeah,
1: lean mass number, or pick a goal weight and go off your goal weight, something like that could work as well if you're if you're you're obese um yeah so getting protein and here's here's the kicker going back to the putting labels on diets and if your diet plan is currently based on percentages i would put money that you're not getting enough protein even if you're on Mm -hmm. keto even if you're on carnivore
0: if you're trying to
1: fit your food into a percentage of fat and protein i will bet money that you are not getting enough protein so it's not just standard american diet people that aren't getting enough protein it's a lot of people who are following ketogenic and carnivore as well
0: yeah and i think especially uh, when you look at keto macros because sort of the traditional thing that 70 30 i mean you're you're they say you can do that because keto ketosis is protein sparing so that you kind of like utilize the protein that you are getting but you, you obviously disagree, and I want to hear this, because I, I, that is what they always say, but I don't know if I sure. agree with it either.
1: <laughs> sure. So it, fat is very protein-sparing. But here's the thing. Every macronutrient is protein-sparing. It's a non-sequitur. <laughs> it's, it's a red herring. Saying that a macronutrient is protein-sparing is kind of like one of those, well, duh, it's not protein. Our body's going to utilize it for fuel. If you look at oxidative priority, if I eat it, then it's protein-sparing. So your body wants to use protein for fuel as a last resort. So anything else that you, alcohol is protein sparing because it jumps to the front of the oxidative priority and your body will burn it first. So the, the argument that fat or carbs or anything else is protein sparing is kind of a mute point and does not even play into the real conversation. That's my and wh- what
0: about the idea that ketosis kind of pr- naturally protects your muscle more? Do you, have you seen anything around that, or what's been your experience with that idea? It helps
1: improve mitochondrial performance, and it helps reduce inflammation. So from those perspectives, your muscles will perform better, and your body will be healthier in general. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't see anything uh, outside of those really those two. I haven't seen anything outside of those two main mechanisms where it's better for I, I don't even know. Protein sparing, muscle sparing, whatever else. Again, because it based on macronutrients, your body doesn't want to break. You're okay. You're getting fired up now. Muscle, <laughs> <Love> muscle <it. laughs> drives metabolic function. Okay, so the more muscle you have, the better your endocrine system, your hormones are. Are you better your your immune system? The better injury uh, management you have. Everything functions better when you have more muscle. You have more mitochondria. You have better fuel management. Everything works better in your body when you have more muscle. Your body does not want to break muscle tissue down if it doesn't absolutely have to. So I think that just thinking about it that way, everything is muscle is going to prevent muscle breakdown.
0: Yeah. And since you mentioned that point too, another very popular topic in our community when people get into keto is they start doing some fasting too, because it just becomes you're kind of more naturally less hungry, all these things. And then people that kind of are quote unquote against fasting will say you know, well, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna lose all your muscle, you're breaking muscle down. And, and I think if you ever listen to Dr. Jason Fung, he's often said like, that makes no sense from a physiological perspective, just cause your muscle is such a precious tissue. Why would we start to break that down immediately? I mean, that would mean we're just, ruining our muscles all the time sure. when there's no food, which was the way we evolved. So would love to hear your perspective on yeah. that after and being around this space.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that 100%. Just, cause, just because you're fasting doesn't mean you're gonna lose muscle. Now, the problem with this concept is that an overwhelming majority of people don't do it correctly. So number one, they do it too much, they fast for too long, um, <clears throat> or they fast too often. Um, Or when they're fasting, they also don't eat as much. So they're in a constant state of caloric, i.e. protein or nutrient deficit. And that's where you get into a problem. When you are basically starving yourself, your body doesn't have a choice and you're making that happen. Intermittent fasting can be a tool. Um, Unfortunately, I think because it's trendy, a lot of people do it when they don't need to do it. It can be a function of your routine, your schedule, and your lifestyle, and many people will fall into it naturally. Um, I I see people fall into the trap of trying to do it on purpose, and usually that's where they start messing up, where Mm -hmm. they start focusing on the time that they're not eating instead of focusing on the time that they are eating and getting enough nutrients and doing what their body actually needs. So focus on when you can eat that you're getting – Everything that your body needs, you're getting the fat, you're getting the protein, you're getting the nutrition, um, and then you don't have to worry about the muscle loss as much. And then also understanding that many people don't realize that most of the, if you look at the list of what people say we get out of fasting, many of those things, I I would dare to say everything on the list of benefits that I've seen people list for fasting, we also get just by going ketogenic and just by exercising. Mm-hmm. So all of the thing, and just by focusing on protein, right? The insulin that we get from protein, the autophagy that we get from uh, exercise, the muscle protein synthesis that we get from recovering from exercise, the additional anabolic we- stuff that we get in benefit of testosterone, testosterone, IGF one from sleeping. So uh, there's a whole bunch of things that we can do without adding the stress of managing when we eat to optimize. Uh, in my way, it's kind of a an artificial. Metabolic enhancement to what our body would do normally if we just fed it the way it needs to be fed.
0: Well, and I think going back to, and, and I love that you said this because this is like I, I think I preface almost every conversation I have. It depends on what your goals are. You know, right. is your is your goal maximum autophagy? Is it maximum fat loss? Is it maximum muscle growth? I mean, right. depending on what your answer is, how you eat and what you eat on a daily basis will be and should look very different based on mm-hmm. whatever your goal happens to be. Um, so since how, that being said, if you had to say what you're personally optimizing for these days and how you approach your nutrition and workouts, what does that look like for you based on your personal goals?
1: Yeah. So for me right now, I am specifically trying to improve skeletal muscle mass. So I am working on uh, – I've been documenting and working on the process of gaining lean mass without gaining fat. So I currently run – I'm – just so for my stats, see if it makes a difference, I'm six feet tall. I'm 50 years old. I weigh about 185 pounds. Um, I'm at 10% body fat. I have about 20 pounds, 19, 20 pounds of fat on my body. For the past five months, I've maintained 20 pounds, 19, 20 pounds of fat on my body. I've gained four or five pounds of skeletal muscle mass. So I, I'm just trying to kind of go through the experiment of demonstrating that it is possible to increase lean mass, not increase body fat without carbs, at 50 years old. Right. So that's kind of the process I'm going through now. My goal, I'm currently around 95 pounds of skeletal muscle mass and I'm shooting for a hundred. My goal is to get to a hundred pounds of skeletal muscle mass and stay at that 1920 pounds of body fat. So I've got about five or six more pounds to go.
0: Okay. And based on the, how the current experiment is going and the rate of muscle mass that you've been able to gain, what's Mm -hmm. your prediction on how long that might take you?
1: I think I've got about four or five more months. I'm about one pound per month right now. Um, and I just made some changes in my programming and what I'm doing for activity. So for the first four and a half months, I was doing um, a more a strength kind of, without getting into too too complicated, like a strength power building program. Um, that was four or five days a week. And I recently just switched up. So now I'm actually getting back into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I'm doing BJJ three times a week, and then I'm doing – a kind of a modified high-intensity training lifting program two days a week. So I'm only lifting two days a week. Um, Mm -hmm. But because the program is specifically designed for maximizing muscle growth, I'm hoping to see uh, that I still see those gains as I go. So, again, it's an experiment, so I'm kind of trying things as I go. And if it's not working after a few weeks, then I'll tweak it again and play around with it. But right now I do BJJ three times a week, and uh, I lift two times a week.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I'll definitely be interested to hear how that works out because I think the other thing that people don't realize is that there are any number of ways to – now, there are probably specific ways, uh, like traditional strength training might be maybe the fastest way to get the most muscle mass. But say Mm -hmm. you hate that, like me. (laughs) You hate hate lifting weights. Like, I – I will go on a 20 mile hike before I would spend 30 minutes in the gym lifting weights which is yeah. is bad for me because I know I need it but but there are other things like power yoga and body weight exercises and other things that can help you gain and, and maintain muscle mass it just might not get you there as quickly. Would you agree with yeah. that? So it's, it's, it's about finding what you're going to do consistently, I think is maybe more important than doing the thing that's going to maximize your muscle mass. And, and understanding I, I wish I could be on that program.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. And if, and if, and understanding that if you're going to, if you're trying to build muscle, you have to do things that activate muscle. So mm-hmm. cardio is not going to activate muscle. Cardio is going to, get you sweating, but it's not really going to do anything to increase your muscle mass. Now, if you want to put a weight vest on or a backpack or carry something that's heavy in your hands, mm-hmm. what do you're walking uphill, like if you're doing things that challenge. So I have a client who doesn't like to do that much lifting and they like to get on the bike. I said, okay, get on your bike for the next three months or the next month. I don't want you doing anything that's flat. Mm-hmm. I only want you riding hills and you know they're like holy crap i'm building muscle i'm like yeah because you're using muscle differently so if it's not challenging the muscle activation then it's not going to build muscle and that's what you need for for increasing lean mass
0: yeah this i I love this right yeah whatever it is i I, that's why i was find something that you'll at least do number is the first step and then you know typically once you find that and once you're consistent at it you may start adding other things that you'll find Mm -hmm. that actually help you grow faster. But initially it's just find something that you'll stick with that you'll actually do. And not too much cardio, just because I always say, you know, cardio is for stress release and your cardiovascular system. It's not for strength building generally, unless you do some of the tweaks, like you said. Um, So just to kind of wrap this up, any final thoughts and can you please share with people like what you're working on right now, where they can find you, any programs that you might have coming, all that good stuff.
1: Oh my gosh. So much stuff going on. Um, so, so just to wrap it I want people to remember that uh, you need both fitness and nutrition. Six packs are made in the kitchen, but lifestyles are made in both. So you, you, the idea behind what we're doing is about improving your quality of life, not just giving you a smaller pant size. And mm-hmm. we want you, I'm 50, you know, I, we want people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s to be able to live independently and in order to do that, how your body performs is more important than how much you weigh. And that is really what this whole thing is all about. So that's one of the biggest things I want people to remember, and that it doesn't matter how old you are what your experience is. You can start something today. Don't wait. Start something today. It doesn't take a lot, just a little bit more than you're doing right now. So that's probably the biggest takeaway I want people to have. Um, what, what things have going on? So uh, I, have, I came out with a book earlier this year, Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness. It's basically kind of a comprehensive guide to all of the topics we talked about today, kind of my methodology, what my take on how this stuff works and how it all comes together for quality of life. So you can find that on Amazon. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Ultimate Ketogenic. Everything is Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness. So you go to YouTube and look up Ultimate Ketogenic Fitness. I have a, uh, my website is ultimateketogenicfitness.com. My Facebook group, I have all. it's all that. I'm actually, the book is in the process. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'll be able to – Put it out there, but I'm getting it translated into Spanish, so that's coming out. A Spanish version uh, will be accessible. So if you have any uh, (laughs) Spanish-speaking followers, they'll have access to get that out. Um, Awesome. And we've got some other projects going on. I do run challenges every quarter, so I've got a a challenge that's kicking that's finishing up now. We'll be kicking off second fourth quarter this year. The next one will be kicking off beginning of next year. Ten week challenges where I work with people uh, to you know get their nutrition under in control to understand how they can implement fitness in their lives and take that forward. Um, and then there's some other projects we got going on. We got a lot of stuff going on over here right now.
0: Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy se- schedule to I chat it. with my audience. And uh, it's been great getting to know you a little bit and having you on the show.
1: Look forward to working with you again.
0: Thank you. This has been the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. content on the heal nourish grow podcast does not constitute medical advice content contained in the heal nourish grow podcast is not intended as medical diagnosis or treatment neither the company nor its owner, Heal, Nourish, Grow, LLC, nor any of the company's employees, agents, or guest speakers provide medical advice. The content provided on Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your medical provider with any questions about what health practices are right for you.